Support for Sponsor Talk and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Welcome to the Sponsor Talk Podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways at how brands interact with properties within sports, film, music, the arts, you name it. I'm today's co-host, Avish Sood. You can follow me at Avish Sood on Twitter to engage with our Sponsor Talk community. And hopefully today you've learned something new about the industry and it keeps challenging you to think differently. We have Danita Johnson, who is the CEO of DC United. So Danita, welcome to the show. I'll let you introduce yourself, but uh, such a pleasure to have you uh, join us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Um, again, as mentioned, I'm Danita Johnson, President of Business Operations for DC United. Um, recently um, took on this role in February of what year is it? It's 2021. <laughs> I'm still asking myself. <laughs> I almost month, said 2020, year? but I feel like nobody remember that. So let's go 2021. <laughs> and, and so, um, Danita, we, we've been kind of going back and forth and we've had some conversations, but I, I love your story. I'd love to share it with, uh, you know, obviously the greater industry here. So, you know, spending so much time within the NBA, the WNBA, that environment, you moved to professional soccer not too long ago, whatever year that was, <laughs> um, but would love just kind of quick Cole's notes on your career and, and kind of how you ended up in DC now. Yeah. Um, the real, I'll give like the good 30 second to 45 second version of this internship in sports straight out of college. Uh, probably the reason why I'm still in the industry. Um, they are game changers. So I highly encourage them. Um, internship led to first job opportunity in the NBA G League with the Fable Patriots. Um, mm -hmm. Was doing CR game ops, everything, learned how to sell for the first time. Um, and that's when I quickly understood from my president at the time, selling was the gateway for many opportunities. So I learned and I grew. So sold there, went and helped start a team in Bakersfield, California under the G League. From there, moved to Phoenix, um, Suns and Mercury, first introduction to the WNBA. Uh, really gravitated towards the opportunity there. I saw it as an opportunity, one, elevate, helping to elevate female sports to the opportunity for growth in the league um, where I knew I could go out and sell a more challenging product. Um, even though I believe in the product, I know how it was perceived. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity to really grow from a sales component in that aspect really was the key focus, like to go in and do something different that everybody wasn't necessarily looking at to create my own path. Worked out well. Um, <laughs> from there, I went and helped uh, lead and start a new franchise that was moved from Detroit to um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So the first time as a director, managing, leading the staff, built from scratch, it was a beautiful experience. And that's when I then went to my first stint in DC, uh, Monumental Sports. I've moved around a lot. I know it's a lot to follow on the dots. Um, <laughs> Monumental Sports helped revamp their department from a ticket sales perspective for the WM. And then lo and behold, there came the LA Sparks. Mm -hmm. um, so led on that side from ticketing, sales, uh, strategy, 
marketing element, had an opportunity to work for the Clippers for a stint as well, really focusing on business development, um, business operations with them was great. Came back and was the president of the Sparks. You know, sometimes in life things come back to you and that one came back to me and served as the president and COO and absolutely loved the opportunity there. And here I am today now with DC United. Very cool. I love that. The, the, the fact that it's not a straight line actually makes, you know, a lot of us reassured when we're thinking about our careers, you know, it's not always a, a quick uh, career growth trajectory, right? Like it sometimes it, it goes in and out and you got to try different roles. And um, it's, it's really great to hear you talk about, you know, all the different roles you did. Yeah. And I think the different roles add to the depth, right? Mm-hmm. So when I can sit here and I can talk to our interns, when I can talk to our ticket salespeople, when I can talk to the person in CR and have actual real life conversations about my own personal experience within those roles and doing that work at some point in my career, mm-hmm. I think it helps them be seen. It helps me lead better. Um, I don't need to say that I'm the master of all of those things. I don't necessarily say I'm the greatest in all those areas, not at all. But to have an understanding of what other people are going through every day, I think really adds to the value of leadership. Totally, totally. And I'm sure it serves you really well in your in your role now. Um, you know, just a quick question before we get started in the, in the conversation. Starting in Fayetteville, like, is everybody there a J. Cole fan? Because, you know, coming from <laughs> someone in Toronto, that is what we know Fayetteville for. <laughs> Makes you real proud. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Not many things that come out of Fayetteville and you're like, oh my gosh, but J. Cole is definitely one of those things. And I, I reference that often. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. No, love his story. Love your story. Um, obviously, two very successful stories coming out of Fayetteville. So that's awesome. Um, so, you know, your career was so ingrained in basketball. What, what sparked you? sparked. Um, what sparked you to move from the LA Sparks to DC United? You know, I, I say this often, it's the challenge, the opportunity for the expansion. I love what we've done. You know, I've never had the opportunity to actually lead a team where we build out our own facilities and we have this expansion of like the events business, um, you know, other future projects that we're working on are, are, facility in Loudoun County, like those are just development areas um, that I just hadn't had the ability to experience in my career. Mm -hmm. So like the standardized business operations and the ticket sales partnerships, you know, you get a lot of that, but to really like, often we're renting the space, right? And sports, to really be a part of that and think about facility development um, and what that means from bigger commercial and partnership opportunities is very, it was very, very intriguing to me. Love it. And then I I would love to kind of just pivot that conversation into, you know, the role DC has within the greater sports community, within the greater community in the last year or two, right? So, um, you know, obviously lots going on in the last year or two, specifically around race, social justice, DC being a hub of that conversation coming to life. Um, You know, did did anything around that excite you about this opportunity as well, of what DC United could play as a role for, and a platform for sports? it's definitely a piece of that, right? You know, sports is one of those things that gives an opportunity to add voice. And, you know, in our industry, we have our pluses and our minuses of what sports has done, right? So if I can add to a positive aspect of what sports brings to our communities, um, I want to do that. And, you know, we just actually finished revamping our all of our community platforms and pillars and our approach to community that will be rolling out soon, which I'm very excited about because we have to be a part of the communities in which we play in. Right, we have mm-hmm. to be in that, and sport creates an opportunity for development, um, creates an opportunity for job opportunities, for um, 
enjoyment. <laughs> you know, people to actually sure. enjoy their <laughs> For sure. There's so much that happens. Sometimes you just need to be entertained. It gives people that opportunity to escape. And it also brings people together from all different backgrounds, mm. right? You look at the soccer culture and supporter groups, like the supporter group cultures are about people from all different walks of life coming together to have pride and to bring something that they truly love forward, to push that forward. And I think we have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's truly a universal language when you think about how sports really brings the greater community together. Um, so it's good to see your team is obviously embracing that community aspect and kind of bringing that forward a little bit more as you build the culture, right? Yeah, and it happens over time, right? It's, it's not an overnight, but it's bit by bit, day by day. I say it all the time, you know, and then you see the difference. You wake up one day and we're like, wow, look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, stepping into this role, you're obviously still adjusting fairly new. Um, you know, when I, when I take a step back, you're actually the first black person, the third woman to serve as a president of a major league soccer club. You know, tell me a little bit about what that means to you and, and for people, you know, that are going to follow in your footsteps coming forward. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is an honor. It is something I don't take lightly. It is something that I feel like I have a responsibility to do great work, even though I already have that responsibility because that's my job. But of course, yeah. this opportunity to have this opportunity to create space for others um, together. Um, I didn't get here by myself, right? I got here through working with other people, through those that helped elevate me. And now I get to be a voice for other people to do that and show that this is possible. Um, sometimes people just need that glimmer of hope or that, mm -hmm. you know, that light to see that this can happen, to be like, you know what, I can push forward to this. And I hope that I have the opportunity to provide that for people. Um, and I try to do it as authentically as possible. Like I'm still myself, you know, I, I don't want to feel like I can't be me in this. Yeah, no, I, I totally relate to that. And, and obviously, it's great to see. Um, it's great to see the sports industry stepping forward in that regard. And, and obviously more change to come, right? So a um, lot of work to be done within our industry, but would love to kind of pivot the conversation around to what you're doing now with DC United. So, um, you know, on field importance or on field performance is obviously a big thing, right? But when you think about off the field and, and culture and what you want to develop with the, the organization, not just with the players, but with the front office staff and everyone else, you know, how, how do you approach culture building, you know, as you come into this new role? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times when it talks about cultures, a lot of times people just want to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. Want to feel like they're a part of the process, which they are, um, and they need to be. And so I think when it comes to culture and building, it's really like breaking it down. Like you gotta go into the weeds of the things that you don't necessarily wanna talk about. You have to have those uncomfortable conversations. Um, you have to listen. Um, really taking that time to sit with different groups within the organization to get like what their experience are. But also at the same time, you have to push forward. So you can't completely live in the past, right? Sure. So you can find out what the issues were, what, what happened prior to whatever job you go into, right? But if you can't move past that, if you still live in that, and you don't push it forward, you can't push the culture forward. So for me, it's addressing those things, finding solutions that can be changed over time to help with that. But then you got to keep moving. Like you got to have a strategy to move forward mm -hmm. or else you're going to be stuck in the same place. So how do you build culture if you're just trying to like feed into what had happened prior to your arrival? So when I look at the culture of things, it's saying, you know, who, who am I authentically? Who are the people around me? What do we represent? together where we find commonalities. And so once we find the commonalities within that, 
finding a way to express that to one another and sure. then build upon that for what we want to represent outwardly into the community and what we want to represent as an organization. So I think it does take time. I think it's through conversations and dialogue. That's probably been one of the biggest things people have talked about, the importance of dialogue over this past year. Sure, um, yeah you know, and what that meant. And I think that's the same when it comes to culture. And I think within our organizations, you've got to be collaborative. You've got to communicate. You have to challenge one another respectfully and then be willing to like, sometimes sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes you got to bend a little bit. And I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah. And, and you know what, obviously um, coming into a new role, there is that balance of like, how much do you want to evolve and change that quickly? And then how much do you need to to kind of listen in on what the problems were, but knowing that it's a balance of both, right? It's not just going full steam ahead with all these changes. Um, it is making sure that everyone in the organization has been heard and, and you feel like you have a grasp over that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Because a lot of times it's like, if I came in with just like, this is what I want to do. This is how I think this should go because of my past experiences. That's not fair necessarily, right? Sure. It yeah. has to be like, where am I, where are we now? Okay. Where's this organization? Not where I was previously or before that or before that. It's where is this organization now and how do we fit to this organization? And so I think that's what great leaders have to do. You have to be able to say, yes, I can take some of my past experiences, but it doesn't determine exactly how this goes. I have to look at it from where it is and grow there versus saying, this is what it needs to be. Yeah. And, and how do you bring that organization with you along that journey? Because I think that's one of the things that um, a lot of people prioritize is, is not only the strategy about what you're going to do, the culture you're going to build, but then how do you communicate all of that internally is another challenge, right? So mm -hmm. I'd love to kind of just ask you, new coach coming in, new president, right? So business operations, how do you approach that when it comes to communicating with your team knowing that everybody's dealing with change. Everybody's working from home for the most part the last year and change is hard, right? So how do you deal with that? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I've done to date and maybe this can help others. Um, so prior to me starting, I sat and I had meet, individual meetings with each person that leads a department, um, mm -hmm. our, our department leads and did like an hour to two hours sessions with them of just talking, just getting to know them. Some of it was about business, some of it was about them. And then once I actually started, I sat in and did a, because we're virtual, sat in each department meeting mm -hmm. and actually talked about, tell me what's working for your department, what's not working for your department, like, just give it to me. And honestly, that's hard for people at the same time, because people are like, well, I don't how know. How much do I want to tell? tell and, I say, yeah. How much do I not, right? Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. the thing is, that comes with confidence over time about how I react to that as a leader, sure. right? So in the first session, it's like, okay, people are kind of talking. It's what you do with the information that's provided to you that next that in that from that session that it builds trust, sure. right? Yeah. So it's like now it's like okay, you've told me this, so now I need a little bit more, right? So we'll come back and maybe I'll have an individual conversation with folks. Maybe it'll be in a smaller group session. It's like a fifteen minute chat, like kind of like giving them confidence builders, and then saying, okay, how do I now ingrain what you provided to me? into our action plan. So I actually just did a business strategy presentation with my staff um, about a week or so ago that broke down our full business, our goals, our overall, and it wasn't just about financial, it was about our values as an organization, our mission, our vision, what, what's actually moving us forward and where do we need to focus on? And it wasn't just like, here's revenue numbers. This is what mm -hmm. we need to get. 
that's not going to get us there, right? We need mm-hmm. to understand why we're doing what we're doing. But it came from the dialogues that occurred throughout those first two months with the staff, right? Mm-hmm. So that if you actually look at it, you might see something that was a spark from a conversation that we had or something that you talked about. And so I don't claim it to be perfect, but I think that's a starting point, right? So now everybody knows what the overall plan is. And now we can go back and we've actually started going through a secondary layer of meetings where now I'm going back and breaking down what we provided your department in reference to the overall business strategy. And mm-hmm. it's like this amazing thing where now they can see like, wait, I can, you gave me the broad, now you're breaking it back down. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like gotta sometimes if we hold it all in from a leadership perspective of how our thought process happened, we're not helping anybody. So like for me, I try to share as much of that as I can at times because it helps for understanding. And then I think it helps drive results. That's what's it. That's typically how I do it. <laughs> we'll yeah. see what happens in a year or so, but I, I feel like people can understand that a little bit more. I mean, it's easier said than done too, right? Like it's, it's not an easy process to take on because you have to communicate that, I'm, I'm listening to everyone within the organization. I'm, I'm seeing the gaps, but here's actually how I'm implementing change over time. And even if it's gradual things, you know, a lot of times as employees, we might hear that and we're like, okay, well, the feedback that we gave in our focus group or our info session actually, you know, is driving, helping drive that change, which is awesome. Yeah. And I think too, where this is where I think with leadership and like your, your staff and, and how it needs to work is there and I, I use this word probably way too much now, but I keep going back to the word grace, right? There mm. has to be a grace for one another, right? Mm. I have to, in my thought process, think they're going through a transition by how I'm thinking and, and moving this forward. And they have to think from my side, I'm also going through a transition of how I'm trying to build and move this forward. So at some point we have to meet in the middle, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. this comes from what we drive for each other of saying, we are, we're trying to balance something when we have an overall why that we're moving forward towards, right? Because there's gonna be points where you may not understand something from a staffing standpoint that, I'm, that we're driving from a leadership standpoint, but you have to trust in that process, even mm-hmm. though you can't necessarily see that light. And sometimes I think where it goes wrong, it's like the mistrust between the two Usually. drive these things in between organizations that you can't move past where sometimes it's like as a staff person do we really need to hold on to that lo- that long mm-hmm. can we move past it mm-hmm. right can't any from leadership do we really need to hold on to it that long like how do sometimes we have to balance that because when we hold on to the wrong things in the workplace we can't move forward mm-hmm. yeah and I feel like it's it's really a lot of times an internal communication challenge right so you're you're how much do you communicate? like all these changes that are eventually going to be made and, and how do you balance that with obviously ensuring that the staff at all levels are felt included in that and felt like they're rowing in the same direction. And it's not easy, it's not always easy. No, and, and the thing is, is I think it's important to say, this is not overnight. This is not 100%. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And give people that. And, and I am very forward about, listen, I might make some mistakes with it too. Mm-hmm. So I may say this now and we might have to pivot on something because now I've seen something else that changed this. But that's where we have to work together at, right? It's different if you do that every single day. Now, if you're doing that every day to people, they're like, okay, wait. Wait a minute, yeah. Yeah, but if it's like, listen, I need to adjust this based off of what I've now seen or what has changed, mm-hmm. that's our job, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes I think people get lost in that. And I, I try to help our, our young staff members to understand that. Cause even for me, like when you deal with owners, 
from any club or any team I've ever been with, they're going to mm-hmm. come in one day and be like, you know, let's change this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can't be like, no, I'll be like, all right, let me figure out how to adjust. And sometimes that's where we got to in business. I think people get lost in understanding that at times. Yeah, no, I t- totally get it. And and I mean, one thing that hopefully is a, is a, something that doesn't change is, is this week, right? So the season openers this week, I kind of want to talk to the, the DC United stuff because I could definitely um, continue on with all the leadership conversation, but there's so much excitement that's happening this week for you. So, yeah. you know, obviously we're coming off a really hard year. What, um, you know, what do you hope that the season opener, the season is going to kind of mean to the community as, as you think about one, your first season with the team and, and kind of how this, goes moving forward yeah to me i i just i want people to be excited and enjoy it like i am a sports fan through and through Mm. and i sat at our preseason um game that we had at audi field and i was sitting there and i for somebody that i'm at sporting events all the time right and realized in that moment i hadn't been at a sporting event it really hit me how long it had been i can't wait for our fans to feel that excitement again yeah, how was that feeling? Because I, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, <laughs> it must feel so good in a lot of ways to be back in a stadium and to feel that energy. It's just like in the pit of your stomach, you feel this excitement. Like, I just was like sitting there and I was smiling like, ah, oh, I forgot the feeling. And so for yeah. me right now, like, well, we're going to make sure the building is safe. We're going to do the protocols that we want to do that need to be done to make sure our fans are safe. Mm-hmm. But I cannot wait for them to sit in that seat and have that feeling again. Yeah. Because I just, I, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's one of the reasons I think we love the game. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for them just to have that in-person feeling again. And I think, you know, for us, obviously there's lots of guidelines and things we have to do. We're super excited. We got pushed up to 25% capacity so we can have more fans than we originally had planned. Um, so now just working through that, but I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the fans just to have that experience again. So, so as you plan that out, like what kind of things are you thinking about or the team is thinking about as it relates to how to keep those fans safe, but engaged and, and bring that sense of, you know, I'm attending a sporting event, but I feel reassured that I don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, we had been on mobile tickets before, so that helps. Um, we have like a no bag policy um, that we're doing for this for right now, just especially so that get people in the yep. uh, building as quickly as possible. Um, safety reasons, obviously, you know, mothers and things of that nature, that's completely different ballgame. But, um, you know, for people with children, men or women, um, but we want to make sure that we're just creating a safe, quick environment for people to, to get in and out of the building. Also from concessions and um, our team shop, creating mobile opportunities for that um, as well. Um, we're looking at two, a lot of cashless options when purchasing. So really helping to reduce transaction of touching of money. Um, so really trying to limit those interactions. Um, so, but at the same time, when you're in the seat, you have your experience. Yeah, it's so interesting because I feel like the traditional sports experience from you know a year and a half ago is like you want those interactions. You, you, you kind of want to be up close and personal with people. But now transitioning into a post-COVID world, um, you have to think about so many different things, right? Like you have to be careful about how close you're putting fans together and keeping the separation. And um, I'm sure that all the work that you're doing behind the scenes is, uh, you know, going to be exciting when the season opener comes. Yeah, our ticket ops intelligence team that has plotted out our seating and <laughs> has done a phenomenal <laughs> 
I'm very proud of them and the work they've done on this because it's a challenging time, but I think it also pushes them forward in, in their ability to do what they do in this space. And that yeah. goes like to all ticket ops people. Thank you. Cause uh, what yeah. they've had to do over this, <laughs> this period, um, you know, I think they probably don't get the recognition they deserve for the work that they do to make it happen um, on the back end from a ticketing standpoint for live events. Yeah, and big shout out to all the ticketing folks listening. I mean, obviously you've got your team with your ticketing staff, so big shout out for them, but also, yeah, everyone that's working on that side. And and truthfully, any side of the sports industry in the last year, like awesome job pivoting and, and going through all this stuff because it's not easy. Agreed. Um, okay, so for this year, what what do you, ex- like what's, what's exciting you? So for when you think about DC United, when you think about, you know, what the community has gone through in, in the last few years, what, what are you excited about bringing this team back onto the field? I think helping to push forward our brand identity as we look towards the future mm-hmm. um, and really understanding our voice and tone. Like, I think there's so much history with this club and it's something we want to continue to make sure we elevate. But as I talked about from the business strategy piece about moving forward, mm-hmm. we also need to really clarify who we are now. How has this evolved? Um, and I don't want to take away from, I, I, I'm super clear about this. Like, I understand our history. It needs to be ingrained in us. But how do we tell that story with where we're going? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm really excited about is being able to truly authentically give that voice back to our club. Um, and help to elevate that is very exciting for me. And it's it's actually probably one of the longer term projects. Sure. Because I think it takes time. But I think in this next year, you'll slowly start to see that um, from us. But that's what I'm I'm truly excited about that. Like, because when you have that, it brings energy. It brings a connectivity back to community. It brings the connectivity back to our supporter groups and to our fans and to drive new fans, right? When you know who you are, people know it. I feel like, it brings you guardrails for where the organization is heading long-term by knowing who you are, right? So a lot of brands, especially in the last few years, have been focusing on positioning and focusing on what the purpose of the brand is. Because sometimes when you're executing, especially if it's an event side business, a lot of times you might just be running at such a fast speed that you forget those elements, right? And it's so important for long-term strategy about where the organization heads. So I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I always say, Everybody else can watch this fast. I have to watch it in slow motion. Hmm. Hmm. If I can watch it in slow motion, I can pick out the details to move us forward. I love that. Um, okay, so what, what about sponsors? I mean, this is a sponsorship podcast. If I, if I take my step back, how are you approaching sponsors with your team internally? And like, whether it be in new sponsors coming in or, or existing ones that you're already working with, you know, what, what makes an impact when you look at a potential sponsor? Yeah we've talked about, right? Understanding our voice and tone and who we are, what we're doing from a community aspect, our culture and what we're trying to do from an outward perspective, help us drive partnerships, right? So understanding that and being able to go out from, if I'm a partnership salesperson, to go out and actually be able to tell our story is truly impactful, right? So we have to get clarity in that space to elevate for future partners. Right now we have great partners. And when I think about like Audi and Lidos, like we have some really strong partnerships that we're doing this next year of some of the programming we have coming up from our diversity inclusion, STEM programming, um, youth sports aspect, I think it's gonna be really great work. I think we have, we're in a really solid market in DC mm-hmm. that we can do some unique partnerships. So I'm excited for what we're able to do mm-hmm. um, over these coming years when we talk about driving partnerships. 
for me also from an internal perspective, it was about evaluating our partnership process, right? How do we actually evaluate partners that we're going after? Who would more like understanding who has a high likelihood to be a partner with us, our process internally from how we actually do our decks to our concepts, to our platforms and understanding who we are all play a part into the success for future partners for us. So I'm, I think we are um, getting in a really good place with that to just start to run. Mm. Uh, when I talk about like outreach, being able to do that consistently because we figured out and we're figuring out still who we are in this next phase. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's based off what you're saying, it sounds like all of this work is starting from the positioning and really fine tuning that and then allowing the sponsorship team to run with that and align with partners that best fit that, right? Makes yeah. a lot of sense. Exactly, because then the partner, and I think what we all know in partnership right now, people aren't going to spend partnership dollars right now that they don't feel in alignment with. Totally. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's been a hard year from a financial standpoint. Our Im- investments being made by partners has got to be in alignment, right? They they have to justify that spend. So if we can better help explain why it's justified with us and mm-hmm. why it's a value and what it actually brings and what we actually represent and stand for, you have a higher likelihood to succeed with an ownership opportunity. Yeah, no. And I think a lot more brands are, are starting to realize that as you think about specifically the sports property side of the business, um, they're looking at who they are, right. And, and how brands are aligning. I even think about like, you know, teams like the Seattle Kraken or, or the, um, you know, the Las Vegas Knights, like they, they built that brand identity first as they had launched their team. And then they really ran with it. And it wasn't necessarily um, all types of partners they were bringing in, it was really pinpointed in ones that aligned with them. And I thought, you know, that kind of approach is starting to become a lot more popular um, and rightfully so. And, you know, coming from women's sports and thinking about my time in the WNBA, that's exactly what we had to do, mm-hmm. right? We weren't media, we weren't selling signage. Like that's not how we did deals to be successful because we didn't have big media contracts, right? Mm-hmm. So we couldn't say you're going to get this many impressions from signage and commercials. We couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. We had to be aligned in our values as an organization and who we are and what we represent and have depth and meaning to what we did from a partnership aspect in order to get those bigger deals. Yeah. Because we couldn't compete on the traditional sponsorship measurements. So from my background, it's the way in which sponsorship is evolving is very similar to what I've been engaged with for most of my career. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's super important with like me, myself working on the brand side, and I know a lot of people think like this, is that we, we just want to make sure we're aligning with properties that are making an impact within the community that represent us well. And sometimes the reach and the impressions are, are all very important, but sometimes it's more about the storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you impact a greater community, especially as I think about consumer packaged goods with the work that you're doing with the partner is, is kind of where it all starts. Exactly. And that's, and that's like the history of the work I've done in partnerships, right? So now being able to bring that here, we get the opportunity to do that and do it really well. Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's pause because I, the, the WNBA launched their jerseys recently. Would love to hear your thoughts because you probably saw the Sparks jerseys. Do you love them? What's your thoughts on them? I, know, I love the, them. It was one of the last projects I worked on before I left. Is that so, right? Oh, okay. So I was super excited to see it come out. <laughs> It was, it was a process. And so when it came out, I was like, they look phenomenal. Um, so going through that journey prior to, um, prior to my departure from the Sparks and, and from the W yeah. was amazing to see. Um, and to see it come out so well, 
I was beyond proud last week. <laughs> and then I think they had like $1.7 million in potential like uh, impression revenue. In social impressions, yeah. Social impressions, forward and excited for them. Very, yeah, very- no, and, and honestly, uh, Zoof does a great job at kind of like reviewing some of that data. So I know that they launched um, it, a kind of a review of the launch period and it was 69 million impressions total, um, which is incredible, right? We think about where women's sports is moving um, and, and kind of obviously a lot of the work that you've done on that side of the business, it's probably got to be very rewarding to see that come out. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, the league is phenomenal. Um, I love it. I will always be a fan. It is in me, like it's in me. And I, and I always give kudos to the women of the W because those women taught me how to be confident. Hmm. Like they taught me what strength is to come over to, to get through adversity and to still do what you love is what those rep- women represent for me, those 144, like, plus the people in the front offices. But that's what I learned from being in that league. I love that. Um, yeah. And, you know, like as a fan myself, right? So I'm, I'm looking at where the, where the, grow, the sport is growing. Um, what I loved about the jersey launches was that it, it felt like all that brand positioning work you were talking about with DC United was coming across so clearly with the jerseys, with the look and feel of the brands for each of the individual teams. So I feel like all that work that's happening behind the scenes is also amplifying and helping grow the sport when I think about, you know, fans buying into the concept of a team. So as a fan myself, very excited to see where it's heading. Yeah, it's authenticity, right? Totally. Right. So like, that's why I talk about like with DCU, like as we can be show a form of transparency and authenticity of where we stand and who we are and what we represent, mm-hmm. people connect to that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, that's it. Like, that's how they connect. That's why the Jersey launch was great because people like when you look at even like um, the Mystics Jersey, right? Like mm-hmm. how it has the words in it, like, like, yeah. <laughs> like people can connect to that. And that's mm-hmm. just it's a different level of depth. Yeah. And that's what people are looking for more now than ever. So if we don't have depth as an organization, we're not going to go far. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, if you think about the Mystics jersey, I think it says rise on the front. You're right. It has the wording on it. Like, these are things that, like, gravitate as a fan. Like, I would gravitate towards it as, like, a rallying cry of of why I'm buying into this team. Or, like, it's it's part of that element. But it's it's exciting to see kind of how it was it was put together. Um, okay. So let's, let's continue on that conversation topic. So obviously, you know, the sports industry, when I think about it, it's been a little bit behind in terms of diverse voices, um, improving on diversity and inclusion and equity within our fields. Um, you know, when we think about amplifying some of those voices or accelerating their growth when they're in the, the lower stages of their career, like what, what is an industry can we do better? Like when you think about the journey that you've had, is there anything that you think we should be looking at a little bit closer with the industry? I think there's a couple things. It's we have to do a better job at the very beginning of development. So not losing diverse talent early in the career. Um, and I think that happens when people don't feel seen or heard or feel mm-hmm. like they have an opportunity to create impact. So how do we help our younger people in the industry and like breed that opportunity for success there? I think the other is we've got to get more ways in which it's not the same people recommended for the same jobs. And it comes from a level of comfort. You know, it's when you are 
running companies that are worth millions and millions of dollars and some of them billions in these industries, right? Where I think people fear in leadership is that risk, right? So if I hire this person, I don't necessarily know as much or the essence of them or their cadence, that could put me in an opportunity where I become unsuccessful or if it impacts my role. So there has to, that, that part of it, of that fear of trying something different um, and if the results don't happen, but most of the time I think they can occur and, and be really good, is something that holds people back from like going outside of the norm. And I think about that a lot because it's it's not something that's talked about, right? So when, when people are in the hiring process, they're thinking about people um, that could be in a role that to work under their team, oftentimes it's the comfort of knowing that this person, you know, I can relate to, or this person has a similar upbringing, but how do we challenge that mold so that it's not just thinking about comfort and it's actually thinking about growth, right? That's, that's the hard part. And I think that comes from us as leaders. We can't always be comfortable, right? Yeah. So like, I got to live in the discomfort that somebody on my staff, whether I'm not talking about DCU specifically, but just anywhere mm-hmm. that may be different or have a different way of approaching things with me, that doesn't necessarily make them wrong, mm-hmm. right? So where's my level of comfort around having different people around me that may add to me in a way in which I never foresaw? So yeah. I think that that's a key thing. Sometimes you got to go out and be like, you know, I know this person isn't necessarily like just like me in any capacity. You know, I always joke sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I have multiple personalities, right? Yeah. And it's that like, I feel like there is some kind of spark within each person on my staff that kind of reminds me of myself in some little way. It's not that it's higher that way. It's because I have to have that diversity of thought. I have to be able to be a little bit different in different scenarios. And you want people around you to push you that way. And sometimes people fear that. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to overcome, but hopefully over time, it's it's something that, you know, as more dialogue happens, more conversation around it happens, people start realizing that they can get out of that comfort spot, right? They can mm-hmm. think about growth with the teams they're developing, the people they're bringing up and, and supporting, right? Yeah. Um, so let's kind of end this conversation around, you know, advice for future generations. So, you know, people that are following in your footsteps, obviously a lot of people look up to you in their careers. Um, You know, when you think about your time in the W and then you think about your time now with DC, what kind of advice do you want to leave people that are exploring careers in in sports and entertainment? One, it's absolutely fun. Like it is. And it can be stressful. It has good days, bad days, but man, it is enjoyable. So (laughs) one of the things I say is one, enjoy what you do. do this with love, do this with passion, just like you would anything else in your life. Um, but from a career advice standpoint, I think probably one of the big things is that like, and you said it at the very beginning, kind of when I talked about my path, like you necessarily can't draw this out and determine exactly where you're gonna be, mm-hmm. right? And so don't be afraid to do something unconventional. Don't be afraid to try something different um, or seek out that job that you're like, I don't quite know if I could do it. Like, don't fear that. Um, embrace those opportunities. And I mean, if you got to move, you got to move. I'm a good packer. Um, <laughs> you know, so like just kind of being able to push outside of your comfort zone, I think is really important in this industry. Um, and listen, every person you come across, you never know when you're going to come across them good again. I always leave on this, treat people well, be kind. It is impactful. And if you make a mistake, it's okay. Um, it happens. We'll leave it at that. That's that's the perfect way to end it. Obviously, Danita, I appreciate you coming on the show. 
um, and excited for this week and then for all the weeks for the season. So good luck. Um, and we'll be cheering you on whether we're in Audi Field or, you know, from our TVs. Thank you so much. As always, thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and the sponsorship space on LinkedIn to join and engage with our community. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and have a great day.